Soul Recovery is not just this podcast. It is a community. And each month on the first Monday, we get together on Zoom to support each other. I give a topic, then we break into small groups. It's a powerful way to be seen and witnessed and heard and supported through your own soul recovery journey. This is free to attend and open to everyone. Go to the website to register. The next one is May 6th from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Also, in June on the 8th and 9th is an in-person soul recovery retreat in Lafayette, Colorado. This is going to be a weekend of incredible transformation, learning how to use soul recovery in your life and to leave that weekend transformed. Visit the website for more about what to expect and how to register. Enjoy the episode. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison, and this is the Recover Your Soul podcast, a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. I started Recover Your Soul after having profound changes in my life from my recovery of alcoholism, control addiction, and codependency. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery to help others transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we must first turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on inner change. Outer positive results in our lives will follow. As a spiritual coach, I can support you on your path to make real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions, read the blog, listen to some of my original music, and subscribe to receive email updates. I think of Recover Your Soul as a community. Follow us on social media and join the private Facebook group to support each other and connect. For an extra episode each week and to support this podcast, become a Patreon member or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. Welcome back to Recover Your Soul, and thank you for spending your time with me here today. So as I'm thinking and sitting here today, I am just filled with gratitude. I'm filled with gratitude that I get to share this experience of transformation, of spiritual awakening, of changing our lives so that we can be happy and healthy changing our lives within ourselves so that we can be happy and healthy. And so many of us have dealt with real hardship, either in our own addiction or in dealing with the dysfunction and addiction of others. And this is part of being human. This is part of our curriculum of life, this journey that we have as souls to expand and grow and learn with the final destination of understanding that we are incredible souls and we're here to be happy. And it's interesting that I say final destination, but the truth is, the more that I do this work, the more that I realize there isn't a destination, that there isn't some end that we get to where we're like, oh, good, I finally got to this place. And so now everything else is going to be okay. It's actually about learning to love the journey about understanding that everything that happens to us is happening to us as part of this process of discovering that we are whole, that we are okay. Not only that we're okay, but that we have love for ourselves, that 
no matter what's going on outside of us, no matter what's happening in our lives or with our relationships or with work, that we can really deeply love ourselves, that we can count on that connection with higher power to be our foundation of self, that we don't need outside circumstances, we don't need outside relationships, we don't need outside people to be validating us, that we are everything that we need right inside of our hearts. And it's interesting that for many of us, it takes a lifetime to discover that, that self-love, that awareness that we have everything right inside of us. We can stop looking elsewhere. I've been thinking a lot about human beings and this relationship complexity that we have in relating to other people and feeling whole and feeling like we can be in the world with all these complex relationships and still be okay. And the more work that I do, the more I work on my detachment. That is one of the actually two episodes in this podcast on detachment and such a foundational tool in learning to let go of control, to not be codependent, to live our own happy lives. What we learn in the detachment is that We don't have to be affected by everybody else around us to be okay, that we can let other people have their experiences. We can let them have their consequences. We don't have to fix anybody else. We can just keep that focus on ourselves. And when I've been contemplating this complexity of human beings, I keep coming back to this place that's so interesting and fascinating that We quickly judge other people by their actions and their behaviors, and we tend to see those things as good or bad, black or white, and yet we want more compassion from other people for us than we are often willing to give to other people. Now, we have our own judge going on inside of us. We have our own critic that's in there being hard on us and judging us as well, but that desire for everybody else to fall into line of what society has said is the way that people should be, or that would feel comfortable to us, or that allows us to feel safe. But then we want something else from everybody. We want more compassion for the times that we mess up. We don't understand why people aren't showing up or doing these great ideas or these things that we think would be really good. And one of my quote unquote character defects that I came through when I did my 12 steps and sat down and really looked at how I've been in my life, the patterns that I've had in my life, one of them was self-righteousness. And self-righteousness can come in a lot of different ways. But for me, self-righteousness is this part of me that thinks that I could do something better, that I have good ideas. And when I think for myself, when I come in from my own structure, my own inside self, my motivation and my intention is good that I have these great ideas. And it's not a bad thing to have great ideas, but I've had pain and suffering in myself because I've held on really tightly to wanting those ideas to be implemented. 
And even though I can access in my own mind the complexities of how I came to these ideas, what was I thinking, where is this coming from, I have had times in my life where I'm much less patient with the people around me who can't see why my idea is such a great idea. But I'm not being compassionate for them with everything that comes in their mind and their life that centers around why it is for them the way that it is. And one of the examples of this is in the work world. I've come into businesses and immediately come in and instead of just being present and observing how it works and what their policies are, what their procedures are, I immediately come in and think to myself that I can see how things would be better, that there's a different tools, there's different procedures, there's different policies, there's different organizational tools that could be used to make things flow better, to work better. And I've always had great pride in the fact that I have this way that my mind works, that I can see this flow and set up systems And I've felt such sense of pride when somebody comes and recognizes that in me and says, wow, the way that you set up systems is so great. But I also recognize that there's a self-righteousness in thinking that I know better. And it's not about not having a voice. It's about being more of a witness in those times when you come in and you're observing how things are working. And to have more curiosity as to why why is it set up this way and tell me more about how this works best for you and what these procedures are and how this got set up. And I say this because the company that I worked for for nine years as an office manager, I did help set up a lot of the policies and procedures that they had and a lot of the tools that they had And some of the dysfunction that happened in that work relationship really had to do with me wanting control. And when it didn't come out that way, the frustration that I felt. And again, this was um, back when I started using again, when I started drinking, when I first started working there, I was sober. And then in the middle of working there, I had relapsed and was back in those years of drinking And I can see the difference in myself of that control that comes from addiction, the desire to have things go the way that you think that they would go. And so some of those years where there was a lot of pain for me came from the self-righteousness. And I can't remember if I told this story or not in the episodes, but when I was leaving that company, I asked to have lunch with a consultant who had been working with the company. And I asked her very honestly, I'd love to have some feedback going into my next phase of life of maybe how I could do or be better. And her response was, you don't always know best. You seem to think that you always know best, but you don't. That was a very humble moment for me. And that was probably one of those moments that you have a blind spot sometimes of your own self. We can so easily, like I said, like judge other people and we don't see that we have some of those same biases that we can easily see where we think other people are biased, but we don't see it in ourselves. We don't recognize where we're falling short. And 
again, that's very separate from the critic, the self-judge that's on us, like just riding us like crazy. But that is like this internal struggle that's happening. But we sometimes have a hard time separating that from the people in our lives who we can so easily judge as having a bias or not performing a certain way. So when she said that to me, I had to really look at that. And I had to really recognize and admit that that's true, that I tended to have that sort of idea that I had all these great ideas and I really wanted everyone to to do them. And as I've worked in my life, sometimes I'm better at recognizing that and sometimes I'm not. But I also am in this constant battle, battle's not the right word, I'm in this constant awareness of balancing that part of me that can have a know-it-all attitude and the part of me that has inspiration, that has a voice, that has ideas, that has something to offer. And again, as we've talked about in soul recovery, so much of the healthy way of being is to be able to have the voice, to be able to share ideas, but not be attached to the long-term outcome of whether that's going to be implemented or not. To really trust and believe that spirit's in charge, that we can trust and believe that once we have shared our truth from ourselves, from an I perspective, instead of a, you should be doing this, you're not doing it right, you are black and white, good, bad, whatever it is, that we can have that vulnerability and that integrity to share openly and honestly, and then let go. And then let go and trust that everybody's doing what needs to be done. And we're all working on our stuff. I think what's so fascinating is that we have this belief that other people probably aren't working on their stuff the same way that we are, or that they should know better, or they should have come further along. And yet we are in our own journey, our own path of figuring it out. And the truth is we're all just figuring it out. We're all just figuring it out of how we can, at the lowest level, survive And so many people are in such a survival mode, they never even have the privilege to do the kind of work on their spiritual life because they cannot get out of survival mode. And survival mode is painful. Survival mode doesn't give you any rest. Survival mode means that you never let off your guard that you can't see the bigger picture because all you can do is be in this desire of, am I going to have a place to sleep? Am I going to have a place to eat? Am I going to be safe? But you can see in that space that there's also an opening to see more, to open to more, to be willing to let go of that fear. When I talk about that, I just feel a lot of fear in survival mode. And some of us have moved to a higher place where we don't have to worry about where we're going to eat or if we're going to have a place to sleep. But we've moved into a different place in our life, but we still feel that survival mode. We still come from that place of survival, a place of scarcity, a place of fear, a place of lack. 
And if I'm honest with myself, maybe when I'm in that place where I'm really wanting things to turn out a certain way, and I'm not having my integrity voice that is sharing ideas or inspirations that are coming and letting go, I'm grasping tightly, I'm holding tightly to an outcome. It also comes from a fear place. It comes from a place of needing the outside world to recognize me, to recognize what I have to offer, to show me my value. And yet, our real value doesn't come from the outside. It doesn't come from a place where somebody else can tell you who you are, because even if someone else is telling you who you are and you don't believe it, it'll never be enough. You'll never be loved enough. You'll never be seen enough if you can't love and see and witness yourself and feel your own wholeness. So when I left that restaurant with that consultant and had to take a real honest look at myself and say, yeah, I have self-righteousness. And it doesn't come from a place of wanting power. It came from a place of wanting validation. It came from a place of wanting to be valued. And if I look at places in my life where I have struggles, where I have difficult relationships, where I'm still bumping up against people, it often comes back to a place of that feeling in my heart and in my chest and in my soul of wanting and needing to be valued and to be witnessed, have approval from somebody else. And I realize that that just doesn't go out in the work world. That is in my relationship with my husband, too. That if I'm in a place where my heart is hurting or we're bumping up against each other, if I'm quiet and introspective, what I realize is I'm not getting something that I, from the outside, think that I need to be okay. And it also means that I'm not allowing him to be himself and in his own experience and witness his vulnerability, his humanness. You know, we're all just trying to make it in the world and figure ourselves out. And so much of what happens is this clash of personalities when really we're just here to be happy and whole. And can we be happy and whole regardless of what's happening out there? Can we put our happiness first? Can we choose our own happiness? And that really comes from loving yourself. Being aware of these blind spots that we have. Allowing ourselves to admit that we have biases, that we are not seeing things completely as the way that they are, and to let go of that judgment of other people so that we can be more gentle to them, more gentle to ourselves, have forgiveness to ourselves first, and forgiveness to the world and the people in our lives who we think are hurting us when so much of that is their own experience and where they're coming from, from their own pain. We look at the world through our own experience. What is the perception that we have? What was it that we grew up with? What was it that we had in a past relationship? What was it when we were in school that, that validated us, that made us feel loved, that made us feel worthy? What was it that didn't do that for us? Where did the pain come? Where did the hurt come? Where did the 
the being told you're not enough. And if we can recognize those things and see our blind spots, then we can have a wholer, fuller picture of the world around us and accept it for just as it is. And stop needing everybody to show up for us in a very specific way. We can accept ourselves for exactly who we are and love ourselves fully because inside, in our true self and our whole self, we have everything that we need. And if we can begin to shed the fear, begin to shed the sadness, begin to shed the lack, the feeling that we won't have enough, that we can't have it, that we're not worthy, we're taking off the armor and allowing our true, full, beautiful self to be the one that stands in our body and interacts with the world, even when the world feels crazy. We can keep our power. We don't have control of anyone else, but we certainly don't need to give our power away. And when we recognize those blind spots, when we look at the quote-unquote character defects, it allows us to see where we can improve. There's always room for improvement, And a lot of that improvement means accepting ourselves as we are and recognizing the pain that we have and why we are behaving in certain ways so that we can have the strength to be our fullest, deepest, truest, most incredible selves. I'm grateful for soul recovery and the opportunity to look at those blind spots. I'm grateful that I can be honest with who I am, all of it the good parts and the parts that seem shadowy and dark. Because the more I allow it, the less shadowy and dark those other parts become, the less judgment that I have on myself, the less judgment I have on other people, the more compassion I have for others and their experience, and the more that I can let go of my need for it all to be okay, for me to be okay. I can be okay. And the more I find that I'm happy without the circumstances to make me happy, I'm just happy. I'm just fulfilled. I'm just at ease. And so when the life comes and and has those bumps, they're not so intense. I can make it through it. I know I have the strength to make it through it. I can lean on my higher power and know that it's all going to be okay, that it's all working out for its highest good. So I encourage you to maybe take a look at those places where you have intense feelings about somebody else and question if that's a blind spot for you. Is that a place where you too could have an opening, that you too could have some awareness, some healing, so that you can have a profound change in your life and not let all those outside circumstances bump your road so much? Until next time, namaste. Thank you for listening, and I hope this episode offered you tools, guidance, and inspiration on your journey to recover your soul. If you'd like some support and encouragement with your soul recovery, book a coaching session with me. When you're ready for change, it's amazing what can be done in just a few sessions. There's never any long-term commitment. This is your personal journey, and I'm just here to be a guide and assist you in connecting with your fullest and happiest self visit the website recoveryoursoul.net where you can find more about me, Rev. Rachel, book your spiritual coaching sessions, subscribe to receive email updates, and even listen to some of my original music. 
We thank you for supporting the production of this podcast by donating on the homepage or subscribing on Apple Podcasts or becoming a Patreon member. When you become a member or a subscriber, you're going to receive an extra bonus episode each week, and your support is really appreciated. By following, subscribing, and reviewing this podcast on your favorite platform, you're helping to spread the Recover Your Soul message. We hope that you will follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and even join the private Facebook group to become part of our transformational community. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.